Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Super Tuesday. What does that mean? No, you don't get a, an upgrade on your Slurpee or uh, shouldn't the fast food places have something this? It's Super Tuesday. You buy one pizza, you get the second one for free. What about an eight-stacked patty, Scott? Yeah, Should I Ted, get that? Ted was just talking about the new uh, super-infused Big Mac, which I don't know, has like 200 patties on it, something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of bun, too. Not that I'm thinking of having one, but, you know, you could easily just buy two and build your own. Could you not? All right. Uh, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden are in a showdown uh, today over six states in the primary. Uh, That'd be Idaho, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota and Washington, Michigan, the most important state. It holds the most delegates. And that's what this is all about. Uh, Obtaining the most delegates in order to win the leadership. Let's bring in Ryan Hurl, assistant professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto. And he is with us now. Ryan, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. No problem at all. So uh, is, how do you compare this Super Tuesday to the last Super Tuesday, uh, the difference between the two? I think the major difference is that everyone has gone through the shock of seeing uh, Biden's campaign come back from the dead. And what we're, we're dealing with this week, of course, is that it really does seem as this could very well be Bernie Sanders' last stand. Um, now, having said that, in 2016, a lot of the polls were off, and there were not too many people who were predicting uh, a Sanders victory in Michigan. This year, however, uh, some polls have him, I believe, 20 to 30 points behind Biden. I doubt Biden's victory is going to be that big, but even a smaller victory for Biden, I think, will come close to being decisive. It isn't necessary for Sanders to win every single state on Tuesday to revive his campaign. But if he's not able to repeat in Michigan, if he's losing Washington in addition to places he, we almost certainly know he's going to lose, like Mississippi, uh, I think that uh, the steam will have run out of his campaign. I don't think he'll end the race. I think he's in it to the bitter end. But I think we'll have, uh, we'll have some, uh, a clear answer tomorrow about whether this is going to be a serious contest or whether Biden has just pulled away from the rest of the pack. Is this all about electability at the beginning of this dance? uh, It's about exploring each edge of the party, and then as you get closer to the finish line, it's about defeating uh, the the opponent, no? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, that was the real question heading into this Democratic primary season. Is this election about Trump, the individual, the way he handles himself in office, his various shenanigans with Rudy Giuliani, and so on and so forth. Is this election about America writ large? Is this uh, an election about the structure of the American economy and the way in which the country proceeds, not over the next four years, but over the next 25 years, if not longer? Well, the latter option, of course, if that's your way of viewing the stakes of the election, then you're going to probably fall into the Sanders camp. Uh, If you think what's most necessary is a kind of return to normalcy, then Biden is going to be more appealing. Uh, Having said that, I am not 100% sold on the notion that Biden is actually more electable than Bernie Sanders uh, for a variety of reasons that people are going to hear more about. I think there is significant significant signs that Biden, that the toll of campaigning is is taking a lot out of of Joe Biden. And I think that uh, we might see more of a discussion of that. I think particularly if Sanders does uh, unexpectedly well on Tuesday. Sanders, I think, is going to have to go on the offensive like he never has before. Uh, he, he does well tomorrow. 
Uh, you to some extent become personal. You brought up a valid point, and I've thought uh, that uh, many times. But perhaps that's a Canadian uh, perspective. But it, what would a challenge look like from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump? Are there more people than the polls are willing to to tell that 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 uh, are looking at Bernie Sanders? I'm just comparing Sanders to Joe Biden, not to the imag- an imaginary ideal candidate. Yeah. I just think that yeah. Sanders, to me, seems a bit more on the ball than Biden. And uh, though, of course, he has his own health issues. There are downsides to both of these candidates. And I think that, yes, I think if, it's, if Biden wins the nomination, a lot of the talk will be about his own personal issues, a lot of his own his extended family and the way in which they have become wealthy in the, and through their association with Joe I think it will be more policy-focused if it's about Sanders, more about the cost of some of his proposals. I think also Trump will try to make it about, uh, you know, 80s, uh, return to the 1980s, 1980s nostalgia and talking about Sanders' various actions uh, in relation to to the communist regimes. I don't think that's going to play very well with the American public, but I think that's going to be part of the discussion as well. With Biden, it's going to be focusing on uh, some of these personal questions. What about the health issues uh, of all of the major uh, contenders here? Uh, at the end of the day, um, a lot of these people are getting on in age. Let's start with Biden. It seems that he has been confused a couple of times. Are they downplaying that? Is the media downplaying this? Or, or is it the opposite? Are comedians taking advantage of this? What about Biden's health? I, th- I think it's a serious question, and uh, it's difficult for me to say whether the media is downplaying it. I mean, we're having a discussion about it now. I've, I've read reports about it. It's out there as part of the discussion. It's hard to know how much to make of it. Look, as someone who talks for a living, um, I make mistakes. I jumble sentences yep. in front of students in classes. It does happen. And so when people are following you around all the time, it can be easy to take a mistake here and there out of context. You know, President Obama makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, President Trump has his own has his own issues. So it's it's a little bit it, it's hard to have firm conclusions on this. What about um, sorry, go ahead. No, give me go ahead. What about Sanders' health cuz we heard about the heart attack early on in the campaign? Right. Well, to that issue, I would just say that whether you're talking about Biden or Sanders, it is going to make the vice presidential pick more important than ever. Hmm. Um, I mean, we, I don't, without even having to bring uh, the coronavirus into the picture, I mean, there's a serious possibility that one or two of these men could pass away from natural causes if they were to win the presidency. So this will make the, their choice of, of uh, vice presidential picks uh, even more interesting than usual. Uh, talk about some of those vice president picks. When will we start to hear about those? We're already starting to hear uh, some speculation, of course. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, a few days ago, might have made a slip of the tongue in suggesting that she thinks she may, may have been promised the vice presidential nod. Um, in the case of both Sanders and Biden, the basic choice will have to be whether you're trying to bring together the different wings of the party or are you trying to bolster your chances, electorally speaking? So in the case of Biden, I imagine that he would be inclined to pick a candidate who is going to bolster his strength among African-Americans. That doesn't necessarily mean an African-American choice, but you could easily see how someone like uh, Cory Booker would be an interesting pick uh, to go to go with Biden. I think if you're interested in bringing together the different wings of the party, you could imagine uh, Biden picking someone like Elizabeth Warren, perhaps. She certainly brings uh, knowledge and capacity 
doesn't necessarily bring a lot of campaigning skill to the uh, to the table, but she is someone who you could say she is fully competent, ready to take over the presidency should something happen to Biden. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, let's talk about Donald Trump's health. Do we know anything there? There was also rumors about him switching a VP uh, and getting Pence out of there. Any more on that? Uh, is he going to run on the same ticket? Uh, that would be that would be a little bit surprising to me. Uh, I don't. I think Trump tends to want to reward loyalty, and in some ways, uh, Vice President Pence has been just a stalwart of his administration in terms of not rocking the boat, not drawing a lot of attention to himself, always being supportive and loyal. Uh, that is what most presidents want from a vice president. So I don't think uh, I don't think Trump is likely to uh, to try to punish Pence or remove him even just for electoral advantages. I don't think that would be a sign of weakness, I think. And I think Trump likes to avoid that. On a side note, I'm watching the press conference uh, later yesterday afternoon with Vice President Pence uh, and President Donald Trump standing behind him talking about the COVID-19 situation and how they're preparing for it. And it was very, very odd to see Vice President Pence speaking for the president and saying phrases like, the president uh, wants it to be known, uh, the president has reassured us, the pre- and the president is standing right behind uh, Pence. And then once the little uh, uh, blurb was done by Pence, then Trump just sort of skedaddled off stage and let the experts handle the scenario. I thought it was very bizarre, especially for a guy that's pretty power hungry. Right. It's, uh, it's bizarre because perhaps it's a sign of maturing in office on the case of Trump. I mean, he's pretty old to be maturing in the course of performing his duties. But I think that Trump has probably been read the riot act by some people in his administration, and perhaps he is coming to recognize that Speaking off the cuff in regards to coronavirus, it's very easy for your words to be taken out of context. It's very easy if you're not an expert to just speculate, as I might speculate, and to cause you know really unexpected actions by people. So if this is a sign that Trump, in regards to an issue where he doesn't really hold any expertise and he's not meant to take a direct role in leadership, a directly uh, you know coordinating responses and so on, if he's willing to defer to experts, if he's willing to defer to some degree to Mike Pence on this, I think that's actually an excellent thing. Uh, yeah, I guess you can't argue. Careful what you wish for. Uh, White House staff, uh, we heard that a member of the White House staff was uh, in self-quarantine. Uh, we've certainly uh, heard from Senator Cruz and such. Uh, yesterday, after that same press conference, uh, they asked the president, uh, the, the press started screaming if the president had been tested, considering that an associate in the office uh, had tested positive. Um, anything more on uh, the president being tested since there are people in the office or others in the office being tested because of this, uh, uh, I guess, uh, apparent situation where there was contact? It, I mean, it really isn't question. Um, I don't have any more specific information about uh, the testing regime and the presidency. Uh, Presumably, uh, doctors are keeping a close eye. But this is campaign season, and you have three very old men running for presidency. Uh, They will be tempted, I think, to try to maintain their schedule on the road, on the campaign stops. And I would not be surprised if at some point they will have to make some very difficult decisions about how public do they want to be? Do they want to be out there uh, on the streets 
in campaign rallies and so on. This could uh, this virus could not only have an effect upon the American economy, it could have interesting effects upon the campaigning season as well. Uh, do you think the, do you get the impression the United States has a handle on this, that the president has a handle on this? Do you think this could directly affect that campaign? Not so much from, you know, protocol and what they have to do, but just in the way the president handles it. I mean, at the initial outset of all of this, he, he alluded that it was a democratic hoax. Right. Uh, look, I think that it's a little bit too early to say, and it's people can react to disasters in different ways. And it seems to me that if you have a virus which is spreading in different types of countries in different ways, and if the experience of the United States, though bad, is not wildly distinct from that of other countries, it would be a little unusual for people to say that this is somehow a consequence of President Trump's actions or inactions. Uh, look, it's a, these are political issues. Any actions that he takes would receive criticism. And I think that right now people are second guessing a little too quickly. Um, I certainly, I think his uh, willingness to step back a little bit, uh, to let some of the experts speak, to no longer be trying to conduct a public conversation on the virus is a very good thing. Um, But, you know, sometimes the public response to disasters can be unfair. I think that in some ways the response to Hurricane Katrina and President Bush was somewhat unfair in the sense that a lot of disaster response, a lot of these, whether you're talking about public health issues or responding to hurricanes, these are state and local issues where the, the, the federal government does not necessarily have complete control. So it's almost the case that whether Trump succeeds or fails, um, there could be there could be a, there could be a great uh, a political downside for him. So what will we know? Getting back to Super Tuesday, what will right. we know coming Wednesday? Uh, especially if uh, Bernie Sanders does better than most would think. Right. If we get an unexpected result on that front, I will think. I would think that Sanders will have to finally really turn to an attack on Biden going beyond even what he's been able to come up with in the past. I think some of it will become a little bit more personalized. That is focusing on these claims about whether uh, Biden has maintained uh, a high level of of mental acuity. And I think you will also hear uh, the issues where Biden is most vulnerable from the perspective of Sanders supporters issues related to policing, issues related to foreign policy, uh, possibly issues related to things like financial regulation and so on. Uh, Sanders, I think the major difference between Sanders and Trump, they share a lot of similarities in the sense they're both outsiders trying to, to take over a party. The major difference was that Trump, uh, you know, he approached his primary campaign you know, from the perspective of a slash and burn, you know, strategy. He was willing to attack the party. He was willing to really attack the other candidates, often in very unfair ways. I think Sanders has restrained himself. And I think that in order to win, he really needs to try to clarify things for voters and force them to make a choice and perhaps to recognize some of the weaknesses of the front-running candidate. No matter what happens out of this exercise, is there a new Democratic Party that comes out the other end, no matter who goes on to lead the party? Are there young Bernie Sanders out there that have forever changed the face of this party moving forward? It's possibly the case. Um, Certainly, if you look at uh, the exit polls, Sanders does very well uh, amongst younger voters. So the assumption would be that even if it's not Sanders moving into a leadership position of the party, the people who are associated with Sanders 
the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes of the world, they represent sort of the policy direction that the Democratic Party are going in. Having said that, you know, it can be the case that people who are very idealistic and left-wing when they're in their early 20s, uh, become a little bit more conservative once they have a mortgage to pay. Hmm. Uh, so that would not be the first time that had happened. But um, I think that many of the Sanders supporters, even if they're very likely to stay within the Democratic Party fold, uh, they might not necessarily adhere to all the same policy positions, depending on how things develop in the economy over the next 10 years or so. Ryan Hurl has been with us, Assistant Professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto, talking about Super Tuesday. Ryan, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. No problem at all. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.